0: stop bullying and shouting at the lower orders? Never! There's only one way to win a campaign. Shout, shout and shout
1: again! This is Shot and Shield. shield.
2: Listening in Pretoria, South Africa, Copenhagen, Denmark, and Wulmba... (laughs) <laughs> let me try this again Gaba, Australia I am your Marquis de Pocas Deluxe the Colonel of the colony is the Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida this is the shot and shield supercast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming
3: I'm leaving the service leaving the
2: service it's right I'm uh, I'm getting married and I'm going in the tea business Married, key business. Why you mad people? B- and you're listening to a, a very happy man today. Uh, sitting down to record and not have to leave the studio, you know, every, every 20 minutes is uh, fantastic. <laughs> that kid's got class. In this episode, gaming the Haitian Revolution with a special You Are There edition of audio archaeology. Also, in this episode, a look at uh, the 1950 John Payne Maureen O'Hara Classic, Tripoli from 1950 and as always the top five reveal scenario builder but first let's bust out some communication
3: germany calling london calling moscow calling washington dc calling peking calling sydney calling
2: message for you son it's time to answer some emails from all around the world now you can communicate with the show in several ways uh, by email shot and shield at gmail.com by twitter at shot and shield on facebook in the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group, or by Carrier Pigeon, if you please. Uh,
0: Come on, man, you must have done. I sent our top bird, Speckled Jim, my own true love, who's been with me since I was a nipper. To business. I'm giving you your order to advance now. Synchronized watches, gentlemen. Private, what is the time? We didn't receive any messages. And Captain Blackadder definitely did not shoot this delicious plump-breasted pigeon, so.
2: <laughs> Maybe a pigeon isn't a good idea, so that's all right. Uh, so my uh, first email here is from Trent in Biloxi, Mississippi. And Trent writes, Lord Scott, I'm enjoying the show very much. And if it makes a difference, I listen to it through Overcast. It does make a difference. Uh, Overcast uh, is a good uh, podcast app. So uh, thank you very much. If you do have a chance while you're in there, Trent, uh, just to hit the, hit the little like heart on the overcast, and uh, that way you'll get updated uh, continually when the new shows and when bonus tracks uh, uh, come through. Uh, Trent continues, you've made it perfectly clear that you do not game the American Civil War anymore, even though it's the most popular wargaming era of them all. If it weren't the most popular then why do so many people start Wargaming by playing it? I think it's because it's the most popular. The reason I tell you this is because I think your show would be more popular if you did more with ACW. You do a great job anyway, but I like to hear more ACW. Okay. Uh, Trent first, uh, I'd argue, uh, that ACW isn't the most popular but one of the most popular. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's very popular. Absolutely. I think uh, you have to put WW2, uh, Napoleonics up there, and also probably Warhammer. I've never played Warhammer, but uh, they have like schools dedicated to Warhammer. So um, if you go into a comic shop, just a comic shop, they have uh, tons of Warhammer stuff there as well, uh, and people are really into it. So I would say that you know, ACW, although one of the most popular, probably not the most popular. I'm just throwing it out there, but I think I think you've hit uh, I think you've hit on the next top of five a question. So I'll take that and make it the unofficial survey for the folks out there. All right, so nice job. Thank you, Trent. Uh, second, you know, let me tell you, I think that ACW is great for those starting out in wargaming. And hear me out. All you need is foot, horse, and artillery the colors are very easy to paint. I mean, uh, I mean these are basic colors, right? Gray, blue, brown, black, tan, flesh, yellow, red, boom, you're done. I, I, I mean, you can get into detail and be, well, I need a certain type of green, or I need a certain type of whatever, but really, when it comes right down to it, when I first started uh, Wargaming, you know, I got all my Airfix figures, and I sat them down, and I, gray, blue, brown, Black, flesh, and then I had some yellow and some red for stripes and tan for like a, ha- a haversack or something like that. And it was it, you're ready to go. And so, if you're just starting out wargaming, I think that's a fantastic uh, place to start. Where else could you get any easier? The only other easier color scheme I think you could do is maybe like the Sudan if you're going to play. Because, I mean, w- w- think about it. Uh, well, you need tan and you need uh, maybe some brown, some black, some flesh, you're good. You know, for the other side, you need some brown, you need some white, and you need some metal. I uh, you know, I mean, really? You know, so I mean, the, you know, w- when it comes to be most popular and and why people start and when when they start, I think it's interesting. Um I would be hard-pressed to say, you know, that's it. So the first one I start out with Napoleonics, you know, because the you know, sitting down to build an army in Napoleonics is that, that's not for the faint of heart. at least that's uh, my opinion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have started in Napoleonics, not at all. Uh, sit, I would be to sit down to build and paint a Napoleonic army. and if you're building both sides, whether it be the French against the Austrians or the French against the Russians or the French against the British. That, that is a, that's, that's a feat because of the different color schemes and all the different colors and all the different painting, the difficult painting that you have to do. And anybody that does that now, even the more, most experienced painters are, mm, those are the creme de la creme. Those are the elites uh, in uh, this, this uh, hobby. So, but I think it's uh, easier uh, with ACW. I think it's easier to build a, build up your forces and the rules are pretty simple. You know, it really is, there, there's not, uh, you, you can make a bit more difficult rules, but really when it comes down to it, these the rules are simple, the colors are simple, the figures are simple, and you're, and you've moved on. So I think that's why it probably is a great, a great starter uh, group for anybody who's just venturing into wargaming. And lastly, yeah, I will tell you, I appreciate the advice to make the podcast more popular, I really, uh, you know, I'm really doing this to share with you and our f- other friends uh, who love this period of war gaming, uh, like you and I do. Uh, if, if the show grows to be more popular, so be it. Uh, but you know, look, my brother, I'm just doing my thing. That's it. So Trent and Biloxi, thank you for your email. All right, let's move on. The next email here uh, comes from Jerry in Adelaide, Australia. and Jerry writes, Scott, my group and I are loving the show. You have to quit your day job and just do more of these. The, boy, <laughs> the boys and me hope your studio issues get fixed so you can get your guests back on. You're actually a very good presenter and interviewer. Cheers. Uh, Jerry, thank you for the compliment. And yes, my studio issues are in such a better position right now. So there's a, just to, to recap, there's a pipe that goes from my AC unit under the concrete out into the outdoors. And what happens is in Florida condensation builds up. So we have this pipe, the condensation builds up the AC overworks because it's right now, it's like 105 degrees and the whole, the, it, the, the carpet gets mildewy and it gets, uh, gets drenched and, and there's nothing much you can do about it. Well, I was going to move, because the studio's in my home, and my wife and I are like, we got to get out of here. This is not good. Paying what we pay for this type of stuff, and there's other issues too. And we're just done with it. So my landlord was giving me a hard time. It's like, no, 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 no. And so they're preventing us from moving, but at the same time, they're not fixing the issue. So I started throwing down. I threw down legal on them. So I started throwing down these uh, seven-day writs on them. And finally, they came back to me, and they said, okay, sorry about that. Yeah. we really, maybe we don't want to get corporate involved. So what, you know, what can we do? And so it's like, all right. And then all of a sudden, you know, negotiation, bam, 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 done. Uh, but it's sad that you have to get, you have to bust out lawyer type stuff to, to make anything happen nowadays. You know, it's people, you, you think people would just want to do the right thing just in general, but whatever. But, uh, Anyway, I, as far as uh, Jerry, as far as getting guests back on, I'm so excited um, because uh, the 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 issues in the in my studio here are are kind of fixed. I can stay in here longer, like without a mask, um, because they changed the uh, carpet. Um, they they did anti mildew stuff, uh, anti mold stuff uh, in here already. Um, so. I can stay in here for much much longer, which means I can have guests back on, and uh, I'm gonna start sending out those emails and uh, making some phone calls here uh, this month and uh, get set up. And hopefully, if I don't have uh, an interview in the middle of August uh, with someone, then I'm definitely gonna be having uh, someone on for the September uh, Shot and Shield Supercast. So I'm very I'm just really excited because there's so many there's so many really good people that I've already talked to that I want to get back on. Uh, and then also, uh, some panels that I wanted to put together. Uh, and you know, just, there's so much, there's so much good stuff that I envision, uh, talking about with you and with, uh, with the folks out there, the experts, uh, that I'm really excited about it. I, I'm going to talk about the Haitian revolution today, and I will tell you that I'm not an expert, but I have some knowledge so I can bring you at least something. Uh, any other time, I'd like to have an expert on to talk about it uh, to give some, some more of the details. But like I said, I have a little bit of, uh, more knowledge than normal about that particular subject, so that's what we, I'll be talking to, uh, with you about a little bit later. But anyway, uh, Jerry, thank you. Uh, thank you to, to you and your whole group down in Adelaide uh, for, the, for the love. I do appreciate it very much. So our last email comes from Indira listening in Bengaluru, India. I hope I pronounced that correctly. If I didn't, it just roll with me. Anyway, and Deera writes, Dear Scott, I hope this email finds you well. In your last episode, you answered an email about leadership and how all leaders are different in the terms of the game and in real life. Can you talk a little bit more about leadership? I find your thoughts insightful uh okay very good i appreciate uh, the uh, uh the question there Indira. uh let's see well in the original question from last episode was about the impact of leadership uh the leadership value in the men who would be kings rule set and i just made the point that the leaders impact troops in many different ways and i gave examples so for instance like uh you know the in the in the rule book itself Uh, You have the hero of the empire. This is the guy that you will follow into combat. This is the guy that, you know, when he says, hey, look, can you give your life over there to take that bush? And you're like, I'm I'm on it without a question, because, you know, he is has your full confidence as a leader. And then the the, because the, the questioner had asked, you know, look, does this really impact the game? You know what? If you play the leadership rules in this game and if there's other games that have leadership rules like that also, yes, it does. Absolutely, it does. Just like it impacts your life. And this is something that uh, I actually find very, uh, it, it's a skill set. I'm not going to call it a skill set. I'm going to call it a, an inclination is I spent all my life in management. Uh, and being a good leader is better than being a good manager sometimes. Being a good manager is important, but being a good leader, I think, is more important. And there's so many, it's, uh, and the only way you can really be a le- leader is I think that you have to fail. You have to fail and I'm full of failure. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> uh, and it, it's, I always think I'm a pretty good leader because I failed so much in my life. Um, and you learn what not to do and you learn from other leaders. But I think that in business or in, uh, military or in, uh, in any other walk of life where a leader needs to hap, uh, need, a leader needs to be there, what ends up happening is uh, you, you have faith to get the job done based on if your leader has faith to get the job done. You, you, you feeling me? So if you go to work and you, your leader sits in his office hanging out, just hanging. and not doing much? And just telling people what to do, you're not going to put your energy into it. You're not going to put your faith into it if you don't have respect for that leader. If your leader has that respect, and your leader's working with you, you know your your leader is admitting mistakes. I find that uh, alone makes a good leader. If you can admit your mistakes, I think if you make a mistake and everybody sees that you make a mistake, and you stand up and say, "Look, I made a mistake." My bad. I'll learn from it and continue and do better. You're going to get more people that are going to work with you and, and follow your lead than you are if you just try to guide over it. Well, that was somebody else's mistake. It wasn't my mistake. And you're going to let your ego get involved. In this game, I think that's the same. You know, that's why they have the leadership values in there. And I think that if you play the leadership values, I think it does impact the game quite a bit. I don't know. I don't know if... uh, Hear me out. Hear me out. I don't know if the game takes into account where leadership would fall in uh, almost a real military. Because now, and I would say probably... uh, after the Crimean War, if you want to be a leader of troops, more than likely you're going to be a better leader than there were in Napoleon and Napoleonic times, in the Crimean War times, or in the American Revolution, or, or any or the French Indian War, because a lot of there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody email me somebody called me out on on Twitter but uh, a leader back in Napoleon they bought their seat right I mean you just watch uh, sharps practice or sharps uh, I'm sorry not sharp's practice that's the game but sharp's rifles or sharp's regiment right the the guys in charge of the battalion or the or the company they bought their seat they had money and they had they had the title and they got in there Whereas somebody up from the ranks or somebody who has merit or actually knows how to lead troops didn't happen, right? Until after Crimea, then all of a sudden it went more by by merit in most most armies. And so I think that's important. And I think merit is important. So I think that uh, the men who would be kings is good, but their leadership values, if you have to roll for leadership value and the guy is unrespected and a, and a coward and a drunk, I don't think they would be a leader in the game. I don't think they'd be a leader in life because they it just they don't have those qualities. So anyway, so that's uh this is, this is I'm just expounding on uh wh- what I was uh, talking about the uh, last uh last episode uh for uh Indira here. So Indira Thank you very much for the question. Good question. I, I, enjoy, uh, I enjoy talking about the leadership. I really do. I should probably have a leadership podcast uh, because it's something I, I really hold dear to heart is I think good leaders are, uh, are developed. I don't think they just show up, you know, and that's something that uh, I find interesting. All right. So anyway, so Adira, thank you very much for the email. And there it is. Uh, that's your communications and emails for this episode. And you can hit me up on the email shot and shield at gmail.com on Twitter at shot and shield on the Facebook uh, shot and shield podcast wargaming group. Or, of course, by carrier pigeon, as I said, I would probably venture that's probably not going to happen now up next. We're gaming the Haitian Revolution on Shot and Shield. This
1: is Shot and Shield. It's going to hurt you a lot more than it will me, I'm happy to say. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century war gaming.
0: Discipline makes the strength of armies.
1: Shot
2: and Shield. Shot and Shield is on social media. There's the Twitter page. At Shot and Shield. Please follow. There's a Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. It's open to all. Please join and post some of your amazing games, paint jobs, and creations. Finally, the email, shotandshield at gmail.com. Email me if you have a question or a thought or even a complaint that you'd like read and answered on the podcast. Shot and Shield is on social media. This
1: is Shot and Shield. I hear that conditions in your army are appalling.
0: Well, I'm sorry, but those are my conditions and you'll just have to accept them. <laughs>
2: Thank you once again for listening to the Shot and Shield Supercast. This uh, the August Supercast. Thank you very much. Um, so I want to talk about uh, the Haitian Revolution. Now, this is something I know a little bit about. Uh, growing up in Miami, um, I had, and this is going to sound funny, I don't mean it the way it's going to come out, but I had a lot of Haitian friends growing up. And there was a, they would talk about, um, haiti in broad terms uh, and talk about some of the difficulties that haiti has and talk about some of the history of haiti so i, I ended up getting a lot of knowledge of that also going to college uh, in South Florida one of my history classes i had a my degree is history centric even though it's a liberal arts degree it is history centric i wanted to go and teach that was my focus and i thought oh, well i I want to teach history so one day when i go to teach history i'll have all this knowledge well i remember having a history course of the caribbean and one of the things that uh you know i did a lot of studying on was the haitian revolution so i wanted to talk about this a little bit and the reason why is uh there was a question on the men who would be kings facebook group and uh the gentleman's name is morgan james i'm not sure if he's a listener or not i hope he is morgan uh thank you for listening and also thank you for the question the question is fantastic the the question itself dealt with the men who would be kings i'll read that in a second but uh, there's a broader scope i think if you're gonna game the haitian revolution because there's so many facets to it it's very very complicated conflict um it's a comp uh, it's a complicated era It is at the end of the 18th century going into the 19th century during the time of Napoleon. But the concept alone of uh, revolution is something that's very dear to the 19th century. And that's one of of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it uh, in today's program. So the question from Morgan on the uh, Men Who Would Be Kings Facebook group. And he wrote... Hello. Has anyone used the men who would be kings for the Haitian Revolution? How did you form the units? And do you think there are any plastics that could be converted? Thanks. I have to tell you, this is an excellent question. And like I said uh, earlier in this uh, segment, I have some knowledge of this. Um, But there's a couple of things you need to know, or at least I think you would need to know when you're going to When you're going to do anything concerning Haiti, especially the Haitian Revolution, uh, you have to really understand where uh, the whole whole concept of the revolution came from, Um, and and really, it's still to this day, it still feels the effects of what happened because of the revolution back in in uh, the 1800s uh, 1800s 19th century. You know, because it, it was, went from, I want to say, uh, 1790 to probably about 1804. Um, so it's early on, 19th century, late, late, late 18th century. But to give it a little context, when I was growing up in Miami, I, like I said, I had uh, several friends uh, of Haitian descent who would that really talk to me. And they were talking about their homeland. They were talking about Haiti. They were talking about uh, Hispaniola. And talking about some of the difficulties they have there because uh, this is a this is a, a place that really always seems to go through just uh, just tough times all the time because if it is an earthquake or a drought or um, they all the trees are cut down so or at least according to you know the folks that I've talked to and the folks that uh, my friends uh, even to this day it's just like well you know they have uh, I have a friend that I work with at uh, work, and his whole family, most of his family, is still in Haiti, and they're trying to just kind of pick up and do business, and it's very tough. You know it's always very tough down there, and it's always been this way uh, since pff, since it began. I, uh, you know, when I, like I said, when I was growing up, it was uh, Jean Claude Baby Doc Duvalier, uh, the son of the tyrant Francois. Papa Doc Duvalier, um, and bad news. I mean, those guys were bad news. It was, they were fine uh, for keeping the peace in the Cold War, but when it comes down to dealing with uh, their populace, it just it just, did, did not work. And finally, uh, Papa Doc, I'm sorry, uh, Baby Doc uh, Duvalier, uh, the, there was a coup, up, uprooted, he takes off, you know, and then uh, uh, their, their moral leader, a Catholic priest named uh, jean Patrond Aristide, uh, took over really as the, as the moral leader, who was eventually killed in another coup d'etat uh, and by the Tantan Macouts, which is their, their sort of death squad. Now, regarding Haiti in the late uh, uh, 18th century and the, and the early uh, 19th century, you know, there, there was almost a caste system. And so you have to understand this caste system when answering Morgan James' question here. You had the upper class, which is the uh, planters and the aristocracy. You had the working class, which is the uh, petite bourgeoisie and uh, the merchants and shopkeepers and such like that. You also have the free people of color, or the mulattoes, freed slaves, uh, children of black mothers, white fathers who were born free. And then the slave uh, group. And that that is you could tell just by that caste system that things are not going to go well because sooner or later, and it did happen where the slaves and the free color, uh, the free people of color and mulattoes, uh, just, that's it. We're done. And the working class or the petite bourgeoisie and the planners and aristocracy, were, you know, just, that was it. It was over. And so you knew that that was going to happen as it would happen in any time in any any period in history, it's just a matter of when. In my opinion, I'll say it like this, in my opinion, if you're going to game this period uh, of late late 18th century, early 19th century, there are, uh, of the Haitian Revolution, there are, I'm going to say seven stages or seven kind of periods of the Haitian Revolution you really have to understand. Remember, this is like 1790- Uh, to 1804. It's that range right there if you're going to game that. But during that time, you have really this, like I said, I'm I'm counting seven stages. There might be more. Other ones might be put together uh, stage-wise, but uh, let's just go over some of these stages. The first stage is the actual uh, slave uprising led by the voodoo uh, high priest uh, Duty Bookman. Okay, re- and, and, the, and the, re- uh, the rebellion and the rebels used machetes and captured firearms against the local militias. So let's think about gaming that. If you're going to game that part of the, of the period, when it comes to finding figures and painting figures, you're going to have to, really, there's not going to be much unity in uniforms. Okay, so it's going to be very hodgepodgey. In what you're looking for, and it's going to be very um, metal oriented. And I don't mean metal like in metal cast figures. I mean metal is in blades. I mean you're talking almost pirate-like uh, figures that you're going to want to, you know, m- mess with and and um, scratch built to create the uh, battles or the conflicts in the first stage of the Haitian Revolution. Now, the next stage, uh, I'm going to call it stage number two, uh, Toussaint L'Eventure. Uh He's with the Spanish and the British. He is, he's the, the leader after a uh, duty uh, bookman dies. Toussaint L'Overture, he takes over, but he joins the, the Spanish and the British. The area itself is, it, the, Haiti itself, I won't say all Hispaniola, it is sugarcane. It is gold. There's a lot going on there, a lot of stuff for export, and the only thing they're importing is food. To Saint Louverture takes over. The Spanish and the British want to get involved. France is, they own the, the country. And so you can see that now when it comes to gaming, it, it's a little bit different because now you have Spanish troops, from the late 18th uh, uh, century and early 19th century versus French troops, the British are involved. So now you have those type of, if you're going to game that, then you have to think about that type of, uh, of uniform and those type of figures. Next one, the next stage is going to be Toussaint L'Overture flipping sides. And now he's up against the British. So he has his troops up against British troops of that era. And you can imagine that Toussaint Louverture isn't going to have, he's going to have some French, uh, French uniformed you know, troops, but also militia type troops where it's going to be hodgepodgey in their uniform sets. The British is going to have one one set of uniforms. Stage four is actually the Haitian Civil War, or also called the War of the Knives, where you have Toussaint Louverture, who controlled about seventy five percent of uh, of the of what is traditionally Haiti, that and it's going to be the north part, including Port-au-Prince. You are going to have uh, the the other person uh, who's trying to you know take up take up the mantle of leadership in Haiti his name is Andre Rigaud, or Rigaud. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that correctly uh, and uh, he controlled the lower part so everything the lower from uh, Port-au-Prince down not a lot of area about 25 percent of the land and so now you have in this case French troops versus French troops with militia on each side, white and black. Now, the next series or next, uh, I'm going to say next stage is now you're looking at Toussaint Louverture, his invasion of Santo Domingo to free the slaves and establish all of Hispaniola under Haitian authority. So now you're talking about that whole island, Santo Domingo and Haiti. And he wants to just go there. So now you have Toussaint Lavature, his uh, French trained, uh, I'm going I'm to say mulattoes, um, freed slaves, uh, malicious slaves, um, whites that, uh, the white folks who, who believed that uh, this was the correct action, um, going up against Spanish and, uh, moreover, militias over on the, in in all of Hispaniola. So there's another conflict that we're talking about (laughs) that we keep going. I mean, we're still in, remember, this is still like in a a 25-year period. So the sixth stage, I'm going to say, is Haitian versus France, where Toussaint L'Ouverture, his second in command, Jean-Claude Dessalines, he flipped sides, joined the French Expeditionary Force, which was mostly Polish, led by a relative of Napoleon, uh, Charles Leclerc. And that's a, whole, that's a whole mess anyway. If you, if you listen, keep listening, uh, because in the, at the end of the show when we do, or when I do the, um, the audio archaeology, I'm going to have um, the show You Are There, concerning the Haitian Revolution and um, Toussaint L'Ouverture. So keep listening, because it, this, uh, this piece with uh, Charles Leclerc is what they focus on, so it's a good it's a good little piece that uh, CBS did. So gaming this, gaming Haitian versus French, is now you have French uniform troops versus French uniform troops, Polish uniform troops, led by a relative of Napoleon and led by Toussaint Louverture, and also having a side flip with uh, Jean Claude uh, Dessalines. So you can see that just the scenarios right there are going to be fantastic. And, and the figures are going to be what you've used for these last other stages. And then the final stage, this is after uh, Toussaint Louverture's death and the French looking to reinstitute slavery, uh, Jean-Claude uh, Dessalines, he flipped again and led a revolt against France, this time aided by the Polish units that Leclerc and the French brought with them to Haiti. So you can understand just this alone why it's so complicated to say, "Hey, look, you know, I like to game, the um, the Haitian Revolution," because if I'm gaming the Haitian Revolution, I almost have to decide what aspect of the Haitian Revolution am I going to game because there's so much going on in this uh, 25-year span. And you know, just as a note that. Uh, Jean Claude uh, Dessalines, who was brutal. He was a brutal, brutal dictator. I mean, heads on pikes, the whole deal. Um, it was always uh, the most bloodshed of any of any commander on the field, and this is that saying something because the French, in this case, they weren't uh, they weren't squeamish when it came to uh, you know bleeding out the uh, the populace. They were they were just as bad, but. Um, once uh, uh, Jean uh, Jacques Dessaline once the, he won, then he set up his own dictatorship, and it only lasted a few years. And then, guess what? A coup d'état, and then another dictator took over. And then a coup d'état, and another dictator took over, and that that just that's what that's what set the tone for Haiti. And then that's the reason I open up the discussion uh, of this right here regarding uh, my time in Miami and and. What I saw just in the news at the time, and then from my friends about Baby Doc Duvalier, because in 1804 Haiti is independent, and the first leader is what a dictator, Jean Claude Dessaline, and from then on it's just dictator after dictator for practically two centuries, and it, it doesn't it doesn't really get any better because then you had that, you had the corruption, and then what's going to happen? then the environment takes over and earthquakes and everything else. So it is a very tough situation for the Haitian populace to uh, deal with. And, and my friends who still have family down there, they, they, they tell me that that's the case as well. Now, if you're going to game any of this, um, you know I, I think that you should take some of those uh, aspects into effect, especially the seven stages of the Haitian Revolution. Morgan, uh, Morgan James on the Facebook group, uh, the Men Who Would Be Kings, uh, asked this question. Once again, I'm going to repeat the question now because I've gone on for a while. But the question was, hello, has anyone used the Men Who Would Be Kings for the Haitian Revolution? How did you form the units? Do you think that there are any plastics that could be converted? Thanks. You know, uh, there are. I'm sure there's some, I think, in my opinion, the best The best plastics to use to convert are going to be the hat 172nd scale soft plastic uh they they take a carving very well so if you need you're going to use an X-Acto knife and you're going to start carving a little um i think that you have a chance to really do a good job i think that you know the first uh, the first uh, series of uh figures that come to mind really is going to be the, uh, naval figures from Napoleon, uh, whether it be the naval figures for the British or the naval figures, uh, for the French. I think if, I'm not sure if hat has a pirate line, but if they do, I would definitely grab that and then just do some carving and everything. Um, and then when you paint, you're just going to have to paint, uh, using all the different colors of, of, you know, the militias, the slaves, um, the French, and the British, and I think that also, if you're going to involve the French, or not the French, but the uh, Spanish, then I think you you might have to find um, a Spanish, some sort of Spanish um, figure line uh, in that same in that same company. Now, if you're going to do metals, you know I got to tell you I'm not I'm not really quite sure. I always go back to Foundry um, only because their line is uh, very extensive. Uh, I think if Perry's is another one, that's line is very extensive. Um, so I'm sure you'll be able to find pieces, mix and matches, uh, that, that, that be able that you're going to be able to find, um, some good stuff on, uh, you know, as a civil war, uh, if there's some sort of slave unit, um, that the, uh, union or the Confederates used, or maybe, um. You know, I'm just, I'm just talking off the top of my head. There might be. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, but, uh, and then when it comes to gaming the terrain, uh, it's, a, it's a desolate area. So your, your terrain is going to be desolate for sure. It really is. The last thing that I'll bring up before I close this segment is that if you're going to game – the Haitian Revolution. I think there's one other aspect that you have to take into account. And that is yellow fever. I do. I think that you have to, when you are going to do a game in Haiti, I think you're gonna have to think yellow fever. I do. I think you're gonna have to make that a, a contingent as part of the rules because it was so prevalent down there. The French lost hundred, you know, I mean they lost a ton of people. A ton of soldiers down there just through, just through yellow fever and not through actual combat. That's what I got. So I just yeah I found the question from Morgan very very interesting and uh, since I had a little bit of knowledge of it, I wanted to kind of just kind of cover it. You could argue that it's that it's uh, more. 18th century, not 19th century, but the, one of the reasons why I'm going to put it in the 19th century uh, role is because it's a revolution. And the 19th century is replete with revolutions. You got Hungarian Revolution, you got uh, the revolutions in uh, South, uh, South America. Uh, it, it's all over the place, all over the place. And I think that this fits in with that narrative of revolution for the 19th century so that's why i included it in today's program and i hope you got something out of it if you didn't eh, you know eh, at least you know you listen to my dulcet tones for a few minutes
1: this is Shot shot and shield oh damn
2: so i'm gonna get a little serious for a second if you're like me and you're disturbed by what's going on in ukraine And you're thinking, what can I do? This happens a lot when the world is faced with tragedies like this. You and I have friends in Ukraine, fellow gamers, artists, sculptors, businesses that we've come to know over the years. And outside of wishing them well and hoping they are safe, there are ways you can help. For instance, UNICEF has set up a site to help children. Nova Ukraine helps with humanitarian aid. There is doctorswithoutborders.org, rescue.org, and ICRC.org, all of whom are helping people in Ukraine. The one which I most admire is World Central Kitchen, WCK.org. They've helped in Haiti, in the Middle East, in Asia, anywhere where people need food. And they're set up right now in Ukraine and around Ukraine to help. I'm not using this platform to ask you to help. I'm using this platform to provide you information if you decide you want to help.
1: This is Shot and Shield. Well, I'm waiting for an explanation. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century war gaming. It looks bad
3: in the newspapers and upset civilians at
1: their breakfast. This is Shot and Shield. And Shield.
2: Once again, I thank you for listening to the Shot and Shield Supercast, which you can find on most every podcast app, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Ghana, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, and so many more. As always, uh, I ask that you subscribe to whichever platform you're listening to, uh, or and, and of course, share it with your friends. If you feel it's appropriate, please share it with your friends. Right now, let's build us a scenario. paper ready get out your notebook get out your pen get out your pencil sharpen it be ready it's time for scenario builder building better worlds. Now i've been asked uh, several times by several of you to come up with scenarios or a scenario for groups rather than just two players or three players at a time and so here we go this scenario is for a minimum minimum of four players and it's called scramble the objective is for you and your field force to control three areas of the board for at least five turns. Sounds simple enough, right? <laughs> Probably not, because the more players you add, the more complicated and the more longer game it becomes. Trust me, I've done this. As always, I developed this scenario and all the other scenarios using the men who would be kings rule set. But you can adapt these, uh, these scenarios for whichever rule set you use. So first let's talk about the board. Okay. Cause it, you need to have a good size board. Six by four is probably going to be ideal. Uh, if you want to have a little bit larger, that's fine. You want to set up the terrain as you see fit, but there should be a bridge, a village, at least one hill, a farm, a forest, a collection of rocky outcrops, whatever you, those little things right there are the objectives. You see, those are little areas that you're going to need to use for control. And these should be spread out around the table, not collected in one area, one, one close-knit location on the board. If you have more than one of these areas, then you must designate each one of these areas as an important one, okay? There should be no more than five designated areas of importance because that's, that's the key to this. There has to be five of them. A crossroad, a farm, a hill a bridge so tactically you want those type of areas to be objectives for your troops now secondly let's talk about the troops now each player is going to be given 40 points and you can divvy them out how you see fit infantry cavalry artillery is okay no elite units okay you don't want to do an elite unit And there's a reason for that, because you're covering a wide area. If you have elite units, you have a smaller force that won't be able to get around the board to cover the areas that you're looking for. So that's why I'm taking the elites out of it. So it's infantry, cavalry, artillery. That's it. And finally, it's about the gameplay. Now, each player starts at a corner of the table and then must scramble to capture a minimum of three to five areas of importance and hold them for up to five turns. First player that does wins. And by the way, no teaming up. You're all on your own. So don't be thinking that you and your buddy can get together and say, okay, well, look, we're just going to kill the board, and then we'll fight between ourselves. Uh-uh, ain't working like that. No teaming up. Because <laughs> I know y'all. You'll be like, oh, I got this. Me and my buddy will will we'll take this board, no problem. No, 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 no teaming up. And I think this scenario fits best for warring tribes of the same group or one set area. You know, like I can I can see it being a great scenario for like South Africa, British Boers, Zulus, German uh, colonials, Zanzibar slave traders. Right. So you have those, those groups going after these areas. Also uh, in India, British, French, maybe two different Maharajas uh, competing for the, the areas, uh, local resources, or even like China between the British and European forces, Chinese imperials, boxers, Mongols, Koreans. There are so many possibilities with uh, this scenario that it feels like it could be like a lot of fun. Once again, the scenario is called Scramble. And get a scramble. So say it with me, scramble <laughs> because you are, you're scrambling to get these areas under your control. So, and you can find a copy of this uh, right now on the shot and shield podcast, war gaming group on Facebook. And uh, I, I hope, I hope, you know what, can I tell you something? I haven't seen anybody do like put pictures up of their game that they've used one of one of my scenarios on. So, if you if you play these scenarios, put the pictures up on the in the Facebook group. Just put them up. I ain't gonna edit them. Just let them go. And if you if you if if you find that you like the scenarios, say so. If you if you think that the scenario didn't work, then say so. Because I I build these scenarios, and when I have a chance, I actually play these scenarios too. When I get a when I get a chance to get back to gaming, which is gonna be very very soon. I'm going to be hitting a few of these scenarios and then putting the pictures up on the uh, Shot and Shield uh, podcast Wargaming Group uh, Facebook page as well. But uh, I hope you enjoy it. Good luck to you. Up next on Shot and Shield, we're going to the movies.
1: This is Shot and Shield.
2: Good luck against those elephants. From the land of the audio to the world of the visual, the Shot and Shield podcast is on YouTube. I use YouTube for supplementary information, such as watch-along videos, documentaries of interest, movies that I find that uh, best represent colonial or 19th century inspirations or gaming, and eventually video from interviews that I've uh, already done and that you've heard on the podcast. Just search out, in parentheses, shot and shield. You gotta put the parentheses in there, parentheses, shot and shield, and parentheses, and you'll find it on the YouTube. There's also a link on the podcast info page so check it out and subscribe to shot and shield on youtube shot and shield what are you looking at it's time for shot and shield movie review so in this episode's movie review i took a look at the 1950 classic tripoli starring john payne and maureen o'hara at
3: Derna their largest guns are nine pounders mounted on the parapet of the fort pretending to see approach And there are two battalions of soldiers stationed inside the city. That's quite a formidable defense. We have 12 pounders above the Hornet and the Nautilus, so we outrange them. After we have silenced their cannon, we will move in to provide support for the land troops. As soon as you have accepted the surrender of the city, we will put an occupation force of Marines ashore. Is that clear? Naturally, we'll have additional personnel for the land attack. According to this plan of action, you won't
2: need any. It's 1805, and the Tripoli pirates have challenged America's right to freedom of the seas. So, United States warships were sent to the port to bottle up the pirate fleet. A U.S. Marine unit headed by Lieutenant O'Bannon, a.k.a. John Payne.
3: I am responsible for the safety of my ships. We're in enemy waters. In case of attack, I would need them to repel borders. Sir, in all our months of blockade duty, we were never once under attack. Are you trying to tell me how to run my squadron? I'm sure there's no such inference intended, Commodore. I was merely making a tactical suggestion, sir. If I read the orders correctly, I am in command of naval forces. And I happen to be in command of the land action. You will give further opinions when you are called upon, Mr. O'Ballon. Until then, you will observe the amenities of your
2: rank. (gasps) Lieutenant O'Bannon, was sent to attack them from the rear. He organized his unit around Hamet Pasha of Tripoli, who is in exile after being overthrown by his brother. A handful of U.S. Marines and Hamet supporters march across the Libyan desert until they reach Tripoli and help conquer the city. There's lots of good swordplay, the intrigue, and tons of 19th century fun.
3: Sir, there's good smoke coming from the tower in the center of the city. It must be our signal. Good. You may commence firing. But sir, Lieutenant O'Bannon is sending the signal. I know. But Mr. O'Bennon's giving the orders. Direct fire on targets. Aye, aye. Commence firing. Fire!
2: And let me tell you, there is a lot of good gaming stuff to get out of this movie. Not a lot, but some good stuff. A great scenario by sending a small troop to the interior to raise rebellion and build a force. So that's one. That's good. Uh, the march to Tripoli, very cool. As for the Arab costumes in the movie, you can uh, get some really great color palettes from it. Also, the idea of a sea force and a ground force working together could make for some really interesting rule adjustments. You have, you know, on one side of the town in the, in the movie, he got the town Tripoli, obviously the, the, in the, in the, in the Mediterranean is the, is the fleet. And on the other side coming from the desert is a, another force. And so that could really make for a really cool scenario, a good campaign, uh, almost, uh, scenario set, uh, to have some fun with. So it's not, it's not, it's not bad. And you just have to make a few rule adjustments, I think, uh, in the game that you play, but, uh, not, not too bad. Frankly, I got to tell you, as far as the movie goes, the most boring part of this movie is this budding love story involving the two main characters, you know, uh, uh, John Payne and Marino here. It's like, I just don't care. Let's see some action. You know, I just don't, you know, I don't, I just sometimes, you know, you know what? Love stories are cool, I guess. Right. Like I'll give you an example of a really cool love story. Reds. Reds. I love that movie with Warren Beatty that's a, war, that's a that's a love story that's part of the story, right But just to have like this action movie and then a love story involved because you know why what's the point because they always have because Hollywood always needs to throw a love story in a in, a, in, a, in an army battle, right and there's nothing really It's kind of annoying. So anyway so it's kind of annoying uh, and I just don't care about the budding love story between Marina O'Hara and John Payne. I just don't. doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Anyway, but overall, the 1950s classic Tripoli was a pretty good film uh, and pretty inspiring for some old-fashioned desert war gaming. Um, so out of the uh, out of my five-pith helmet scale, I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it a three, not too shabby, and only brought down by the sappy love story mixed in. Now, this movie, you can find this movie for free on the Shot and Shield podcast YouTube channel under the Movies of the Era category. Okay, so you have a chance, sit down, get get on the, uh, the YouTube, right? Go to the Shot and Shield podcast on YouTube. And I have this movie saved under the category Movies of the Era. So please subscribe and enjoy. Still ahead, let's reveal the results of last month's top five questions. Hey! What the blazes
1: is it? A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century war gaming. All right, Marines. Nice punt. This is Shot and, Shot and Shield.
2: Shot and Shield is on social media. There's the Twitter page. At Shot and Shield, please follow. There's a Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. It's open to all. Please join and post some of your amazing games, paint jobs, and creations. Finally, the email, shotandshield at gmail.com. Email me if you have a question or a thought or even a complaint that you'd like read and answered on the podcast. Shot and Shield is on social media. And
0: the Lord spake, saying, Shalt thou count to three? no more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count, neither count thou two, excepting that thou then proceed to three. It is time for the top five reveal. Five is right out. Now,
2: if you have a suggestion for a top five question, feel free to let me know. As always, you can Find the top five survey on the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group on Facebook. Now, last month, the question was, name your go-to paint. It was a very popular question. I even got some kudos for the question. Nice job, Scott. Nice job, Scott. I know. I know. I know it's a nice job. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Anyway, but lots of you uh, called out your favorite uh, paints uh, for your minis. So here we go. Number five, Tide, Foundry, and Ravel. So I, I have to tell you, I haven't used the Foundry paints at all. I have used Ravel. Ravel is really nice. I like the Ravel. Uh, I like the Ravel acrylics more than the enamels, uh, but uh, Ravel is very, very nice. Number four, Tide for number four is Testers and Liquitex. Now, I haven't used Liquitex. I have used testers. And let me tell you something about testers. And this, uh, you know what? This is a personal preference for me. If I were doing models of cars, okay? If I were building models of cars or airplanes or something like that, then I would definitely use testers paints. I'll tell you that right now. Because testers has, there's this gloss about a tester paint. Even their flats have this kind of sheen to it that drives me nutty that's just my picadillo when it comes to paints i don't like a sheen or a gloss unless it's meant to be there i would do zulus with a gloss a gloss finish for their flesh because you're you're sweating in the hot sun and it looks really good on the table but i wouldn't do i'm not big on gloss when it comes to army figures anyway number three citadel paints now i do have a few citadel paints in my uh collection that i use um and very very nice uh, paints number two army painter now i have not used uh army painter i have i have in my selection here i have three colors from army painter that i have not used yet but i plan to uh this month because i have vacation coming up and i'm going to be painting I'll be trying those out, but uh, a lot of you really like the army painter. That's really good. And as voted on by you, your top go-to paint is Vallejo. I have. Uh, I'm with you on that. Every everything else that I that I have paint wise is Vallejo, or pretty much whatever I can get my hands on that uh, doesn't have a sheen to it. But, uh, but also, I'm finding myself using Vallejo and Citadel more. I have these army painters that I'm going to be using this month uh, just to see how that, that rolls out. Um, but there you go. This episode's reveal of last month's top five question. Now, the new question is on the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group on Facebook right now. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to go. Yep, you're going to have to go clickety-click, right? Go to the Facebook group and check out what the question is so go now let your voice be heard all right still ahead the show wraps up with another archaeological find from the old time radio archives that's next on shot and shield
1: this is
2: shot and shield uncle. hi i'm famous podcaster and influencer sir scott and when i was young my analyst said that i had an overactive imagination I mean, he was a financial analyst, but he was still right, okay? Now, as a kid, I would always see my GI Joes capture tigers, excavate treasures, or elude dangerous snakes, and I would lose myself in Adventures of Tarzan in Flash Gordon and Conan. Old-time radio always had that magic that could transport you to different times and transport you to different worlds. And now I offer you a podcast filled exclusively with adventures in audio. Search and subscribe to Vintage Radio Adventures, found on most podcast apps. That's Vintage Radio Adventures.
4: What are you waiting for? Come on, come on.
0: Shot and Shield, your colonial wargaming podcast. The 19th century... Ended amid the glories of the Victorian era. Shot and shield, a podcast dedicated to wargaming the colonial era. In those aristocratic Victorian days, when, as the Israelis said, the world was for the few and for the very few.
2: The views expressed during Shot and Shield are the hosts, and only meant to be taken seriously if you feel it's necessary. Good luck against those elephants. And now, Shot and Shield. Thank you once again for getting this far in the show. I really do appreciate it. (laughs) It is time for another archaeological find from the old-time radio archives. As always, for this podcast, I try to keep the subject matter in the 19th century colonial era Victorian era, and sometimes... I'll throw in a little good old pulp action for you in there. Uh, and today, as promised earlier, I'm presenting to you a CBS radio show called You Are There, which takes the news presenters from CBS and puts them in historical uh, events and let them report as if it were right then going on, just like uh, you turn on the news and they're reporting from Ukraine or they're reporting from You know, uh, New York, or they're reporting from wherever there's a crisis, right? And uh, since we spoke today about the Haitian Revolution, You Are There takes you to Haiti in the early 19th century. Please enjoy.
5: This is John Daly in the child and gutted city of Le Cap, Domingo, the West Indies. The native chant you hear is the Assembly. Ever since dawn on this sixth day of May, 1802... The assembly has been calling San Domingans down from their mountain huts, out of the forests, across the sugarcane fields, calling them to assemble here in the burnt-out public square of Le Cap. The assembly summons the people to gather for the peace negotiations scheduled between General Toussaint-Ouberture, commander-in-chief of the native armies of San Domingo, and General Charles Leclerc, commander of the French invasion forces sent here by Napoleon Bonaparte, first consul of France. And in answer to the summons of the assembly, the people of this tropical, palm-fringed island that Columbus knew as Haiti have been gathering here. Haiti, 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 you
6: are there. The people of San Domingo gather in La Cap with a cherished dream in their hearts. Can their liberty be won across a conference table? CBS takes you back nearly 147 years to the climactic moment in the struggle between European imperialism and an enslaved people for freedom. All things are as they were then, except for one thing. When CBS is there, you are there. You Are There, produced and directed by Robert Louis Cheyenne, is based on authentic historical fact and quotation. And now... The charred city of Le Cat and John Homeless By the burning of their houses, some
5: are refugees from the hills, tall, straight, carrying baskets with their meagre belongings on their heads or on the backs of scrawny burros. Their faces are stained with tears, tears of desperate anxiety. All of them are fervently hoping that the coming negotiations between General Toussaint and General Leclerc will bring the Negroes of San Domingo the complete and guaranteed abolition of slavery by the peaceful method of discussion and compromise. For 12 years, the San Domingans have been fighting for their freedom. Yesterday, according to military observers, General Toussaint's armies needed but one final thrust to throw the French invaders back into the Caribbean Sea. Suddenly, the French General Leclerc, a brother-in-law of Bonaparte, asked for an armistice. Shortly thereafter, this forthcoming meeting was arranged by General Henri Christophe, Toussaint's lieutenant here in the north of San Domingo. Toussaint is expected momentarily at the commandeered mansion on the public square where the talks will take place. General Christophe, however, has already arrived. He's standing here with me in front of that mansion. General Christophe, why did you agree to this armistice when victory was in your grasp?
7: We had victory, but we did not have liberty. If we drive to the sea, if we drown the French in our own blood, Bonaparte will send more Frenchmen to kill Frenchmen. Remember, Monsieur, we too fly the tricolore. We too sing the yes. Well, Then you think that General
5: Leclerc is ready to guarantee the freedom of the slaves? We are not That's... slaves, Monsieur. We have our freedom. Our cane fields they are fertilized by the broken bones of my brothers who won our freedom. But General Christophe, you've been fighting all these years for the guarantee of freedom. Do you think that at last the French are ready to guarantee it?
7: That we must wait to see, Monsieur. But if the French are ready, they must recognize our constitution, which forbids slavery. But Bonaparte has already rejected your constitution. I know that, I know that. But this time we have the hand over him. This time Bonaparte's armies is is bleeding to death. They have lost 40, 50,000 soldiers, 10,000 sailors to our muskets, and to Yellow Fever. Their hospitals, they are filled with sick and dying. Every day, 50 corpses are carried out of the hospitals and dropped back into the sea from which they came. This time, Bonaparte must sign our constitution or we will fight until the last of the French troops are blown down like so many cars in the wind. Thank you, General Christophe.
5: I hope the coming talks will indeed end this procession of death. The general walks up the steps of the mansion now. He's a giant of a man, tall and powerful in his gold-braided coat and white-plumed hat. General Christophe spoke feelingly of the long history of death on this island. To many, death did not come easily. It came by torture. Isn't that true, Captain Francois? Torture indeed, Monsieur Daly. Torture. Torture. That is how the French took my eye. Captain Edgar Francois is an officer of General Toussaint's staff. He's been assigned to us to act as interpreter for the coming discussions. Now, Captain, why did you lose your eye?
8: Monsieur Daly, the French, they are very logical. For talking back to a Frenchman, they pluck out one eye. For striking a Frenchman, they bury you up to your neck in sand. They smear sugar on your face, and they let the ants feast upon your head. In this case, the head of my brother. My sister? She was a cook to a French woman. And one day, madame did not like the roast. So she roasted my sister. She ordered her thrown into the oven. Yes, monsieur Dali. For me, the French have made torture a family affair. And I fight with Toussaint Louverture with all my heart. Captain Francois, General Toussaint's last
5: name of oh, means overture in English. Why does he use that
8: name? Ah, We mean he was the beginning, the opening of the door to freedom. He's also called the Black Moses. The Black Moses who has led his people out of bondage. To me, Toussaint is like gendarme. He's like a messiah. And it was prophesied that he would come. What was that prophecy? It was written by a French priest, La Berana. Nations of Europe, he said. Your slaves are not in need of your generosity in order to break the sacrilegious yoke that oppresses them. The Negroes lack for the chief. Where is the great man? He will appear. We have no doubt of it. He will show himself. He will unfurl the sacred standard of liberty. And when General Toussaint read that, he knew that he was the appointed one. Thank you, Captain Francois. The... A small group of
5: native singers and drummers here continue to chant and beat out the assembly. Let's listen to it for a while. Daly again. When Toussaint Louverture arrives, we will come back to this square. But now for a report on the French view of the imminent conference, let's go inside the mansion to General Leclerc's headquarters and Don Hollenbeck.
9: The atmosphere here inside the mansion where the conference will take place is in marked contrast to that which John Daly has been describing outside there's no tension here, no desperate anxiety. There's no sign of the devastation of war. In this richly decorated marble hall with latticed windows, there's a small group of elegantly dressed men and women, members of General Leclerc's staff and their ladies. They're standing about chatting. Some are dancing a gavotte to the music of a small orchestra. When General Toussaint arrives, there'll be a banquet before the conference begins. General Leclerc is here with us. General Leclerc, sir, this display of luxury seems somewhat more fitted for a festive occasion rather than a sober peace conference. Perhaps it's supposed to dazzle and impress the simple tastes of General Toussaint (laughs) L'Overture. Not at all, monsieur. Le Toussaint is a great
8: epicure. He will enjoy this. But no, this is mostly for our ladies. (laughs) Poor souls, they have had a hard time of it. They expected gaiety when they came to San Domingo. They brought with them their, <laughs> their gold dinner plates. And now at last they have a chance to use them. No, besides, this food can be a symbol. A symbol of the plenty that this island can know. If there is peace, we can
9: here be a veritable garden of it. Well, yes, General Leclerc, and some people think this banquet is a sort of celebration of your good fortune. What do you... Our good fortune? How is it? Well, well, yesterday your armies were on the verge of defeat, and today your enemies are at talking peace. Defeat <laughs> that is absurd. My, my brother, Ina Napoleon, the first
8: consul. Oh, you know that he is Remember, member I'm of the you world. That, yes, sir. He could send me 20, 30, 50,000 troops in the next month. I could go on fighting forever. But, uh, no, there's been enough. I'm not yet sure. we... We meant to make an end of this.
9: Uh, Napoleon and I, we want only law and order. Yes, sir, but, uh, Toussaint L'Overture said that he had law and order while he was governing the colony, peaceably. Oh, while he was governing the... Co- <laughs> law and order, you call that law and
8: order when Edith's colony had suffered civil and foreign war for 12 years. When La Bastille fell in Paris... 13 years ago, there were here 30,000 white people, and now, you know, there are less than
9: 10,000. And This is not all. The plantation, the beautiful cultivation, all have been destroyed. Right, eh, right. Yes, all right, General. But all that destruction was the result of the people's struggle against slavery. Mm-hmm. Are you prepared to guarantee in the name of Bonaparte that slavery will never be restored on this island? Oh, certainly, Monsieur. Of course, I swear before the face of the supreme being put, to respect the liberty of the people of Saint-Domingo. All right, then, General Leclerc. Why did Bonaparte reject Toussaint Louverture's constitution, which expressly and forever forbids slavery? We, ah, oui, 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 the constitution. I'm very glad you raised this point. The first consul said
8: that this constitution contains many good things, no? But it also contains many bad things, contrary to the dignity and the sovereignty of the
9: French nation. Napoleon feels that certain these bad laws should be removed. All right. Can you name some of those bad laws? I do know you Someday you must ask Napoleon. Thank you very much, General Leclerc. The general has strolled over to his 23-year-old bride, Pauline, the sister of Napoleon Bonaparte. He is smilingly invited her to leave the handsome French officer she's dancing with and to join him in the patio to await Toussaint L'Overture. The liberator has still not arrived. Quincy Howe is in our headquarters on the second floor of this mansion. He's heard the interviews with Generals Christophe and Leclerc. And for his analysis of the statements, we'll switch now to him.
4: Uh, Well, now, if uh, General Leclerc and General Christophe uh, really mean what they've just said, uh, the people of this island are going to have peace. Uh, General Christophe, uh, speaking for the islanders, uh, declared that Toussaint's forces uh, will make peace uh, if the French guarantee to abolish slavery. Uh, General Leclerc, uh, speaking for Bonaparte, has sworn that he'll respect the liberty of the people of San San Domingo. Uh, But how can Bonaparte make good on that guarantee of his? Uh, Never forget that Bonaparte rejected the constitution that Toussaint offered uh, some time back, and he did it for just one reason. Uh, Toussaint's treaty called for free trade between San Domingo and uh, the rest of the world. And, well, that's something that Napoleon just can't permit. Uh, Ten years ago, the French did two-thirds of all their overseas trading, all their overseas trading with this one island of San Domingo. Now the French have lost all that business and all those business profits. Above everything else, Bonaparte must make San Domingo, once again, the economic vassal of France, and he can't do that and give the people of San Domingo uh, real economic freedom, and that, of course, includes uh, freedom from slavery. Uh, Now this raises two interesting questions. Has General Leclerc made a commitment here that Bonaparte, his brother-in-law and the First Consul of France, will not honor? That that, that just doesn't seem very likely. Uh, or has Bonaparte suddenly changed his whole nature and, and stopped building an empire? That, that's obviously even harder to believe. Now, just a moment. Toussaint Louverture has arrived. So back to the square of Le Cap and John Daly. <laughs>
5: Riding a black charger, escorted by dragoons, General Toussaint Lovettor has arrived for this critical peace party. The cracked dragoons, about 300 horsemen, their swords drawn, are riding behind the Negro Liberator. In front of General Toussaint are two trumpeters magnificently dressed in red uniforms and wearing silver helmets. The general himself wears a blue jacket with a flowing cape, red cup, gold lace, and epaulets, And a large sword hangs by his side. Of medium height, powerful and wiry, he presents not a graceful, but nevertheless a dignified figure. There seems to be an undercurrent of mixed fear and hope among the people here. General Dufay has reached the headquarters' mansion and dismounted, and the company of dragoons hulked behind him. Toussaint is walking up the steps as the crowd hails him with cries of long live Toussaint. He has a homely face, a stern, forbidding jaw. The general is alert, his eyes flashing. A man in the crowd has just cried out, I think he shouted, death to the whites, and the crowd has taken up. Is that right, Captain Francis? Yes, Monsieur Dandy, that is right. The general won't like that. His hatred of anyone who introduces the question of color into this revolution for freedom is well known. As a matter of fact, he ordered his own nephew shot for the massacre of some whites. The general has walked quickly to a table on the portico, takes up a jug of water, and turns to face the crowd. He raised his arm, and the crowd falls silent. The crowd stands uh, very quietly as two men begin to speak. Captain Francois, it's translate. It's here. It's
7: here a it's mass like la masse d'eau claire. Je mets un doigt de
8: barouge dans cette mer d'eau claire, comme ceci. General Southerman has dropped a single spoon of red wine, of wine into the water. He has compared now my black brothers to a mass of clear water. And he has asked, can you tell me
7: which is which? We don't
8: we must all live together, he
7: said. From the beginning of the
8: revolution, I have braved all for the cause of liberty. I shall never betray my principles. Furthermore, I am too much a believer in the rights of man to think that there is one color in nature superior to another. I know a man only. Human. General Toussaint has
5: turned and walked into the mansion, his red cape flowing, Aprilette flashing in the sun, a truly heroic figure. He is followed by his staff. Captain Senseway, you'd better go inside and give my colleague a hand, and now into the mansion, and back to Don Hollenbeck.
9: Toussaint Louverture has entered the hall. The guests are applauding him, and Toussaint acknowledges it. he's bowing graciously, Madame Leclerc has moved forward to greet Toussaint. She's curtsied to him. He acknowledges her greeting with a graceful bow. General Leclerc has now come up.
5: The Two generals acknowledge each other.
9: General Leclerc and Toussaint are now escorting Madame Leclerc to the head of the table. They're chatting amiably. Toussaint will sit at Madame Leclerc's right. The guests are taking their places now. The atmosphere seems friendly enough. This is a mixed company of guests, Toussaint's staff officers and the men of General Leclerc's staff and their wives. The guests are all seated now. Madame Leclerc offers General Toussaint a glass of wine, but he takes only water. Now General Leclerc is speaking, and here's Captain Francois to translate.
8: Nous consoliderons
9: ainsi ensemble les institutions.
4: General to General
8: Toussaint that bonheur together bonheur. they will strengthen the institution of universal liberty and happiness.
5: General Toussaint replied, we are here to
8: arrive at some reasonable terms that will end this war of I have no further desire than that liberty and equality shall reign in uh, San Domingo. Laissons nos invités à leur réjouissance et retirons-nous dans mon bureau... Nous pourrons discuter les termes de la paix. General Leclerc has suggested that he and General Toussaint retire oh. to Leclerc oui, study to discuss du the du terms du of peace. No, we we'll discuss them here says General Toussaint. Ce qui concerne l'esclavage. What is your intention with regard Et to slavery? Nous devons suprême de respecter la liberté. Général Leclerc oh. has sworn to respect the liberty of the people of yes. San Domingo. And Toussaint replies, Good, I accept everything
7: which is favorable to the people and for the army. General, nous pouvons nous retirer dans votre bureau pour y les détails. C'est très
8: bien. Mais General Toussaint satisfied. He agreed to retire to Leclerc's study oui. for the details. Que nous ne but Leclerc is asking Toussaint. Suppose, suppose that the word continued. Where would he have gotten the arms and munitions if they had not agreed upon a peace? General Toussaint said, from you, General Leclerc, I would have taken
9: what I needed from your advance post. While General Leclerc, laughing at Toussaint's quick and ready reply, he has led the way out of the hall to his study, Madame Leclerc has signaled the orchestra, and it's now playing the air of Louis XIII. This, by the way, is the first time the orchestra's had an opportunity to play since Bonaparte's sister brought it here from Paris four months ago. Some of Toussaint's officers have started to accompany their commander-in-chief, but the Liberator stopped them with a wave of his hand. Apparently, he prefers to settle the details of the peace terms alone. The two generals have left the hall now. The banquet has begun. We'll wait here for the return of Generals Leclerc and Toussaint. But the terms of the agreement on the basic terms for peace has already reached the square outside. So back to John Daly.
5: The people here in the square are wild with joy, and the native singers are beating at their drums and chanting. And the people have taken it up now. It's the chant, the rejoice. People are chanting with them, clapping their hands, and dancing in the streets. On their faces is the sign of the relief of joy, the measure of triumph that they feel at this turn of events, at the happy accord which was achieved inside as was brought to you by Don Hollenbeck. And now, for just a moment, let us listen to the rejoice and the man That's the rejoice of the San Domingo chant of Happiness the news that the war is ended, that death is ended, that slavery is ended, and that freedom will be guaranteed. The women are weeping for joy. But now they know that their men will return to them, that no more sons and husbands will die. The relief and the joy can be seen on the many faces here. The women particularly feel so earnestly the fact that no longer will their men go off to fight in the hills and on the plains and not come home. And rejoicing here in the street, here is one of them a former French soldier now in the army of Saint Rovachior. His name is Lieutenant Mori Forno. Lieutenant Bono, why did you, a uh, white man and a Frenchman, fight by the side of the Liberator?
8: Why? I will tell you why, monsieur. When I first came here, they told me that I was fighting for the principles of the French Revolution. They told me that Toussaint was a traitor. A traitor to the pay of the aristocrats and the British. But at night, I could hear the Negro singing the Marseillaise. Eh? And is that what made you change? It made me think, monsieur. The Marseillaise made me think what this war was all about. And then when I was in the hospital with the Siamese disease, you call it the yellow fever, yes, it was it who nursed me back to life. So I think some more, and I ask questions, and I find out that fight on the side of Bonaparte and white Frenchmen who fight for Toussaint. I find out that this is not a war of color, but a revolution for liberty, equality, and fraternity. That was when I decided, Monsieur.
5: Well, I understand that there were others who changed their allegiance.
4: This is Quincy Howe in our CBS headquarters. We've switched from the square to bring you an important announcement. General Toussaint Louverture and General Leclerc are at this moment on a French frigate in Le Cap Harbor. Soon after retiring from the banquet hall to discuss peace terms in General Leclerc's study, the two men left the study together. But their departure didn't become known until an aide of Toussaint tried to bring him a message and and was told that his commander-in-chief had gone with Leclerc to the frigate. We just don't know what this means, but Ken Roberts is on board the frigate Aero, and he's ready to report, so over to Ken Roberts.
5: Toussaint Louverture is a prisoner of Bonaparte. He has been arrested by General Leclerc. He did not come here voluntarily. When General Toussaint left the banquet hall of the cap, he was taken secretly by a detachment of French grenadiers with six bayonets. General McClay himself is here at our microphone. He has consented to explain this startling development. General McClay,
8: what... I've consented to explain the arrest of Toussaint Louverture on the orders of Napoleon Bonaparte. The very first detail we discussed was this matter of free trade and that gilded Afrika insisted on the continuance of free trade. Ah! I want to administer a colony for the benefit of Napoleon, enfin, while at the same time I'm making profits for England and America. Uh. With free trade in San Domingo, we shall have nothing left for Frenchmen. And what are the orders of Bonaparte with regard to slavery in San Domingo? Slavery is henceforth re-established in all the French colonies in San Domingo, as well as in Martinique and Guadalupe. For General Leclerc, that means war again. Ah! If there is any resistance, I will destroy all the mountain men and women, and I will spare only children under 12 years of age. I will destroy half the Negroes of the plains. I will not allow in this colony a single man who has... One in epaulette. And Toussaint, sir, what do you mean to do with him? My orders are to send him to the Portfolio. His ship sails at once. I return to the captain. Thank you,
5: General Leclerc. A short while ago I saw Toussaint Louverture. He is in chains. I heard him say to the captain of this ship, in overthrowing me, you have cut down in San Domingo only the trunk of the Tree of Liberty. It will spring up again by the roots,
8: for they are numerous and deep. This is John Daly with
5: our interpreter, Captain Francois. We have moved on to the Plan du Nord. Open plain just outside Le Cap, directly in the shadow of the mountain. On this train, General Christophe is speaking to thousands of men, women, children, soldiers, mountaineers. He's speaking to the citizens of San Domingo. The news of Toussaint's sudden arrest has left them stunned, bewildered. Standing on a sugarcane wagon, stripped to the waist, a bullet hole in his hat, General Christophe is speaking with anger and with passion.
8: And the crowd is tense with silent rage. Captain Francois will translate. Toussaint, have lived driving the French to the sea. He could have massacred them, but instead he chose the way of peace of agreement. He wished to stop the flow of blood. He came with open hand and good faith, and the French, like craving tra- craving for his life, betrayed them. The French never meant to give us freedom. They prepare our destruction by the capture Toussaint. Now, brothers, you can see the two faces of the French, naked and ugly. De the nous French have no intention to give us freedom. And now, no, pour, pour, pour no more parlays. De no compromise. As to the French, nous the assassin of nous our liberty. Christophe has taken a French flag. But he has un ripped un out a wipe de de the white from the tricolor. Si. He has tried... Our flag now is red and black. Countrymen. Yes, I call you countrymen. These are our true colors. Christopher just said, you hear that? Those are wild dogs, wild dogs. Hungry, starved. The French have loosed them upon us. Women and children to the mountains. Men. Forward to the attack. Burn. Destroy, kill, remember Toussaint
2: and stand ready
8: to die for liberty.
5: The war drums has begun now, and the crowd has burst into song. It's the revolutionary French song, Saïra, the song with which the citizens of Paris stormed the Bastille in France. The women and children are fleeing to the hills. The men have seized their muskets, deadly machetes, seized rocks and sticks. They've got their hands on anything with which they can feel the unrightly god. This day was drawn so hopefully for freedom by compromise. and of the final bloody revolt. The wild dogs are coming closer. I can see them plainly now the sand of England are beginning to be the 18 The
7: men who have been to the final <inaudible> revolution.
6: have been listening to The Betrayal of Toussaint L'Ouverture, another broadcast in the series You Are There, produced and directed by Robert Louis Cheyenne. The Betrayal of Toussaint L'Ouverture was written by Joseph Litz and Mr. Cheyenne. Canada Lee played General Henri Christophe, and George Koulouris was General Leclerc. Joseph DeSantis played Captain Francois, Guy Sorel was Toussaint L'Ouverture, and Richard Newton played Lieutenant Bono. Next week, September 26th,
7: 1820, Salem, New Jersey. Colonel Johnson eats the love apple. You are there.
6: Sundays by now are definitely a stay-tuned day on CBS with brilliant dramas such as You Are There and the Helen Hayes Electric Theater, with music from the New York Philharmonic Orchestra, and with comedy by Jack Benny and Amos and Andy among the many great programs. Don't forget that Jack Benny is now heard exclusively on CBS and may be heard every Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern time over all of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, Jack Benny's new address, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: That was the CBS show, You Are There, and you were taken to Haiti where you heard the account of Toussaint L'Ouverture being arrested by French General Leclerc, which, which was true. Leclerc uh, lured Lovature uh, to peace talks and then took him into custody where he would eventually die. Uh, Leclerc uh, himself would uh, die of yellow fever just uh, as he loses to Lovature's betrayer, Jean-Jacques Dessalines. As for the history I present here, there are probably some very uh, sage facts or figures, uh, folks out there who will find some of my historical context lacking in some points or another. But please remember, I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm not saying that I don't make mistakes. And uh, just, but if I do, uh, let me know and I'll correct it either way. In my philosophy about history, facts and figures are important, but history to me is about the perpetuation of ideas and their impact on the world. For instance, the idea of freedom that perpetuated the Haitian revolution and how it upended how it was upended by dictatorships for over two centuries it's a sad uh, sad fact but fascinating it really is but that's it it's time to close another chapter of Shot and Shield I'd like to thank you for listening in Milan, Italy Bacassi West Java and Hacienda La Libertad Ecuador I have been your Marquis de Podcast Deluxe uh, your Colonel of the Colonies your Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida I bid you farewell wish you well I'm out.
0: (laughs) Lieutenant, revolver, please. Oh, now, sir, you really shouldn't do this, you know. Come on, George, with 50,000 men getting killed a week, who's going to miss a pigeon? (laughs) Well... Not you, obviously, sir. (laughs) In any case, it's scarcely a court-martial offence. Get plucking, Bullrick. Sir, look, it's got a little ring round its leg. There's a novelty. Oh, really? Is there a paper hat as well? <laughs> no, but there's a joke. Read it out, sir. Well, it's a bit charred. It's a uh, something, something at once. P.S. Due to communication crisis, the shooting of carrier pigeons is now a court martial offense. <laughs> Let's see what's funny about that, sir. It's not funny. It's deadly serious. We're in trouble. So I shall eat the evidence for lunch <laughs> and if anyone asks you any questions at all We didn't receive any messages, and we definitely did not shoot this delicious plump-breasted pigeon Mmm <laughs> Delicious
3: hey. And why captain are you not advancing across no man's land?
0: Well, sir, called me a bluff old traditionalist, but I was always taught to wait for the order to attack before attacking. You're trying to tell me you haven't received any orders? What the hell are you playing at, darling? That's a blatant lie, sir. I spoke to Blackadder less than an hour ago. Yes, you did, to tell me some gobbledygook about having a lion up your bottom.
7: <laughs> mm, as I thought,
0: it's the old communications problem again. Stand easy. Action on this is imperative. Take that down, darling.
1: Yes, <laughs> Also,
0: make a note of the word gobbledygook. I like it. I want to use it more often in conversation. Yes, sir. I must say, sir, I find this all very unlikely. Not only did I telephone Blackadder, but as you'll recall, we sent him a telegram and a carrier pigeon. Did you? (laughs) Are you telling us you haven't had a pigeon, Blackadder? Come on, man, you must have done. I sent our top bird, Speckled Jim, my own true love, who's been with me since I was a nipper. (laughs) To business. I'm giving you your order to advance now. Synchronize watches, gentlemen. Private, what is the time? We didn't receive any messages, and Captain Blackadder definitely did not shoot this delicious plump-breasted pigeon (laughs)
1: You want to be cremated, Morick, or buried at sea? Shot and Shield. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century war gaming. This is Shot and
2: Shield. This has been a production of the Experience 13 Podcast Network. 13! Your electricity.
7: 13!